Welcome to the No Fear Podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. Welcome to the No Fear Podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church, and we want to thank you for joining us for our No Fear Word of the Day. I began this podcast back at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic because I felt like people needed a word of encouragement. I felt like People needed to hear the Word of God, to hear one of those 365 times in which either Jesus Christ or one of the prophets or one of the apostles says, have courage or have no fear or take heart. Just one of those many, many affirmations of God's goodness and love. We need to hear those affirmations all the time, but particularly during this time of crisis, health crisis, economic crisis, now social crisis, we've really needed some words of encouragement. And I am so glad that we can come together each week and just share in God's Word and encourage one another with these podcasts and through this means. But one of the things that I have really thought a lot about and I've talked with a lot of people about is the issue of fatherhood during the COVID-19 crisis. We're about to come up on Father's Day weekend, and the whole idea of being a dad during this season really is something that ought to take some deep reflection from me, from you, from all of us, as we consider what it means to be a dad in the time of COVID. It's a really strange time. It's a really challenging time to be a dad. You know what? I'm involved in two early morning Bible studies. One is a group of guys approximately my age, some a little older, some a little younger, And we're just walking through life together. We're walking through life as men, as husbands, and as dads. And we're trying to take God's Word into our lives. We're trying to digest it and apply it in those roles and as members of the body of Christ, as disciples. And it's really good to be walking through life with this particular group of guys. But I'm also in a group study on Thursday mornings with a group of guys that have been together for about 40 years. They've been reading and studying the Bible every Thursday morning for literally about 40 years. It's a study that was started by our pastor emeritus, Louis Abendon, and it's just a gathering of men to come together for fellowship, for prayer, and to read God's Word and reflect on God's Word together. Now, I have to say this, and I say this with all due respect, I am the youngest person in the room. And so it is is always a little bit strange for me to look around this room and in any sense think that I am leading them because in many ways, it's like this is a whole group of mentors and they are actually leading me. They are helping me to understand what it means to be a husband and a father and a disciple. I learned so much from this group of guys. It's like I come every Thursday morning and I trade them some academic 
theological knowledge, and they just give me wisdom upon wisdom upon wisdom. And it is so wonderful to be in the company of this group of men who have seen so many things and can share so many things with me. And so one of the things that I like to do is just reflect with them on what it means to be a dad. One day, about 20 years ago, I was working in my study of my previous church when one of my good friends, a lady named Polly Mizell, came in. She was clearly frustrated, and she said, Bob, when are you ever going to teach a class on Christian parenting? I said, Polly, you have four children, all great kids. You're also a pediatric nurse. I have no kids. What can I possibly teach you about Christian parenting? You know, I tried it once when I was a young associate pastor. I offered a class called The Ten Commandments of Parenting. It didn't go over well because I didn't know what I was talking about. And now that I'm a parent, I'd have to revise the name from The Ten Commandments of Parenting to Four Cautious Suggestions for Christian Parents and a couple of other things that might work if you're lucky. Of course, now that I've been a father for nearly 20 years, I feel that I know, well, even less. There are so many days when I can't believe that God has given me this job of being a dad. But there comes a time in your life when everyone looks around the room and asks, where did all the grown-ups go? When did I become the grown-up? When did me and my friends become the parents? Or maybe if you are just becoming a grandparent, you're asking, when did I become the patriarch of this family? When I was young, I didn't have much wisdom or much to teach about fatherhood. But at some point along the line, I learned that I had to become a teacher, not just for the church, but for my own kids. I had to figure out not only how to talk about being a parent, but I had to learn how to teach my kids the things they need to know. There are some things that only I can teach them, and God has positioned me for just that purpose. When God called Abraham, he did not choose him to rule an empire or command an army or perform miracles or deliver prophecies, but simply to be a parent. God chose Abraham to be the father of a people, a nation, through which he would change the world. And in Genesis chapter 18, God said, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. God made Abraham a father so that he could teach his children the way of the Lord. In a speech to the Vatican several years ago, Lord Jonathan Sachs, England's highest-ranking rabbi, said this, The family is the best means we have yet discovered for nurturing future generations and enabling children to grow in a matrix of stability and love. It is where we learn the delicate choreography of relationship and how to handle the inevitable conflicts within any human group. It is where we first take the risk of giving and receiving love. It is where one generation passes on its values to the next, ensuring the continuity of a civilization. For any society, the family is the crucible of its future, and for the sake of our children's future, we must be its defenders. Today I want to share a passage with you that I think is foundational not only to parenthood but to fatherhood. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When the Israelites were about to enter the promised land, after 400 years of slavery and 40 more of wandering in the desert, Moses taught the people what would be the foundational, non-negotiable creed of the Hebrew faith, the center of the faith of Israel and the foundation of the Christian faith. In Judaism, Deuteronomy 6.4 is known as the Shema. In Hebrew, it is Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. In English, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Very simply, it means that there is one God, and He is our Lord. There is one God, and He is in charge. There is one God, and He alone is sovereign. This is the essential tenet upon which the faith of the Bible stands. And then God commanded the people, saying, You shall teach this law and this creed diligently to your children. Dads, fathers, grandfathers, stepfathers, the Lord has called you to be a teacher. The mission of fatherhood is to teach your children the love and truth of God diligently. But believe me, I know how hard it is to be a dad, and I know how hard it is to be a spiritual leader in the house. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make it easy. I went to seminary to learn how to be a pastor, not a father. They didn't teach me how to be a dad. But God didn't just say, go teach your children the law and the truth of God and then leave us without a plan. Here's what he said, looking at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. First, love God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. God's mission for fatherhood, for teaching our children, begins with you and with me loving God. You and I, we have to love God first. Your relationship with God is the most important and even necessary factor in your children's relationship with God. Think of it this way. If you've ever been on a plane, you've heard the flight attendant's speech that says, Should the cabin drop below normal pressure, a panel above you will open and an air mask will drop. And you're supposed to take the mask, tug lightly to start the flow of air, and then place it over your mouth and nose and breathe normally as if there is any way you're going to be breathing normally at that point. But then they say, put the mask on yourself before you assist those flying with you. Now, why would they say that? Because you are not going to be of any help to any of your family members if you pass out. They are going to need you, and you need to be strong enough to help them. It's really very simple. I can't save anyone else if I am suffocating. I can't give any faith to my children if I don't have any faith to give. We have to have a knowledge and love for God ourselves. There's a deep connection between knowing and loving, between our knowledge of God and our love for God. King David knew God intimately. 
And the more he knew God, the more he loved God. In Psalm 111, he says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. The knowledge of God is the fuel that burns in our hearts, and the mind is the tender that stokes the furnace of the heart. You cannot take your kids where you need to go if your tank is empty. You know, we all play that game of seeing how far the needle will go past E on the gas gauge. I remember telling myself once, it was full when I bought it, when I became a Christian 30 years ago. Am I making sure that the tank is full now? Do I have the fuel to take my children where they need to go? If you want your kids to know God, your own tank has to be filled with the love of God. When was the last time you filled up your tank with God's Word? The more we learn about God, the more we love Him. And the more we love Him, the more we want to learn. If you want to love God more, study His Word and spend time in prayer. He will not only stir your affections and increase your desire for Him, He will begin to fill your tank with the resources and the wisdom and the verses and the skills you need to direct your children. Second, model what you believe. Modeling is simply teaching by example. As parents, we have to remember that our kids are hearing what we say and watching what we do. That's why loving God is so important. Your kids know what you love by what they see. You do what you love, not what you're supposed to do. Love or fear is ultimately what motivates us. Not obedience or rules, not information. I mean, why do you order a cheeseburger instead of a salad? Because that is what you really want, and we do what we really love. What are your children learning from observing you, from listening to you? Our kids watch what we do, and they hear what we say. They will see what you really love and believe by your actions. So God says, You shall bind God's commands as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God is saying, your children should see your faith written all over your face. You should be wearing your faith on your sleeve. They should see the love of God all over you. Now that's a tall order. One of my professors, Dr. John Leith, would often use a phrase to make his points about Christian behavior. He would say, when we are at our best, this is how we act. This is how we behave. When we are at our best, this is what we believe. It's an acknowledgement that as Christians, we do not always live up to our own convictions. We don't always live up to our best. I confess that as a father, I'm not always at my best. There are times when I get upset and I just lose my mind. But when I'm at my best, I want my best to point my kids toward God. If they are following me, I want to be leading them to God. Are your kids learning the best of Christianity from you? Are you teaching them repentance and forgiveness? Or are you teaching them legalism and judgment? 
Have you taught your children to pray, to think, to laugh, to give, to worship, to respect? Are they learning about sacrifice or self-indulgence from you? Are they learning to use and abuse people or to serve and adore people? Are they learning that Christ is important or that other things are more important? What are they learning from watching you? Third, God tells us to make the most of the moments that he gives us. He says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee says that love is a four-letter word spelled T-I-M-E, time. These verses are about the time we spend teaching our children. There's so much value in making time to talk about the Lord and pray and worship with your children. But I want you to notice something here. God is not saying that this is a special moment thing. It's an every moment thing. It's not just about making time to teach our children. It's about making moments meaningful, every moment. Sometimes you don't have time to pull out the family Bible and sit around in your tweed jacket and read the Bible to your kids. Sometimes it seems like the only time you have with your kids is when you're driving them from activity to activity, trying to get in homework and meetings and everything else. Most of the time, you're just throwing food to them in the back seat. Well, I don't think God is trying to make us feel guilty here. I think God is saying, okay, use that time too. When you're going out, when you're coming in, when you sit down, and when you don't have time, when you're breaking out in the morning, and when you're on your way home. The best way to do this, I've found, is to just practice asking questions. Look out the window of the car and ask, where do you think all this comes from? Did you see anyone do something good today? What are you thankful for today? Teaching them to practice thankfulness is always a good idea. What do you want me to pray for you today? Try to find an opening to help them interpret their everyday lives with the wisdom of God. When something happens at school, when a big news story breaks like the COVID pandemic or the social unrest going on right now. Use the occasion when a loved one goes through a major life transition perhaps at the death of a family member. I know that these are challenging moments, but they can be rich, spirit-filled moments of teaching if we will just train ourselves to use them for that purpose. Beloved, I understand, I know how stressed and busy you are. We are all that way, and especially in these days of pandemic and social unrest, it just seems like the world is flying apart. So the point is to make the most of the moments that God gives you because he's given them to you for a reason. Your kids need someone to help them understand the stuff that we take for granted every day. Remember, it's all new to them. It's about connecting the dots between the things that happen in their lives every day and the things that they hear in the stories of the Bible. It's about connecting their everyday lives to Christ and understanding that it's okay to say, 
I don't know the answer to all your questions. As one of my professors said, we Christians can't claim to know everything, but we do have to go public with what we do know. I believe that is really good advice for fathers. So what are your children learning from you? And how are they learning from you? Believe me, I know it can be terrifying. And sometimes the only comfort we have is that we are not alone. I remember once in middle school when Ellie got an award as the top Bible student in her class at school. That was not because of me. It was partly because of me, but it was mostly because of her mother and her Sunday school teachers and her youth advisors and her grandparents. The point is to remember that we can't do this alone. This is something we do together. As a father, one of the most important things that you can do is to bind your family to the people of Christ, to the community of faith. We have a Savior who loves us so much that He gave His life for us. We have a Heavenly Father who is real and has the power to make a difference in our lives. And we have a family bound together by the Holy Spirit to walk with us. The good news is we don't have to do it on our own. And maybe that is the most important thing that we can teach our children. Thank you for being with us again for this No Fear podcast. Please join us for this and our other daily podcasts throughout the COVID-19 crisis at fpcsanantonio.org. Until next time, I'm Bob Fuller of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas. Be not afraid. God is real. Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit is with us. God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table.